Your attention, please. The Thunder Mesa Limited, now leaving for a grand circle tour through the realms of Imagineering, Model Railroading, and Disney Trains. All passengers, board! Howdy folks, welcome aboard the Thunder Mesa Limited. I'm your host Dave Meek and I'm coming to you from Thunder Mesa Studio in historic Jerome, Arizona. This is the show where we talk to all kinds of creative folks from the worlds of Imagineering, Model Making, Trains, and Disney. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 3, and today we're very happy to welcome back to the program former Imagineer and pro model maker Sam Toller. You may remember Sam as the talented young man who created the fantastic Nature's Wonderland model currently on display at Walt's Barn in Griffith Park. Sam is also one of the many, many creative professionals affected by Disney leadership's decision to relocate most of Imagineering from the historic Flower Street campus in Glendale, California to an all-new location in Lake Nona, Florida. We'll be talking with Sam about all of that and more, but first, a quick reminder that the Thunder Mesa Limited podcast is brought to you by Crescent Creek Models. Crescent Creek Models specializes in innovative laser-cut structure kits for the discerning model railroader and collector. With products available in HO, S, and O scales, Crescent Creek Models brings the charm and nostalgic appeal of 19th and early 20th century architecture to life in miniature. You can find out more at CrescentCreekModels.com. And now, our conversation with Sam Toller. We spoke with Sam from his home via Skype, and the interview has been edited for length and clarity. Hi, Sam. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming back. I didn't scare you away the first time. <laughs> That's good. Uh, happy to be back for season two. That means uh, you must have gotten uh, some pretty good ratings on the first season. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get canceled <laughs> by you me. You canceled. <laughs> <laughs> My self-published program did not get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're back. So I'm I'm excited to have you back on the show. When you were here last time, you were uh, you were an employee of the. Walt Disney Company. Oh yeah, that's right. And you are no longer an employee of the Walt Disney Company. And we, and, you know, we, we we've talked, we've we've spoken candidly about some things, and and you you offered to come back on, and you know we can talk about uh, whatever whatever you want. Um, first of all, let's give a little little history for the folks that may not know you. Uh, the the uh, Nature's Wonderland model. Did you think when you were 14 years old and, and building this Nature's Wonderland, of course you didn't think this, that uh, this would be the thing that you would be known for for the rest of your life, at least with the casual Disney fan? Man, I mean, I was in a tiki bar one time. It was in uh, it was the Tonga Hut off of Lankershim in Van Nuys. Mm-hmm. I think it was Lankershim. I don't know. Somebody will correct me. There's all kinds of tikiites that follow Disney people. Right. Um, I was in a, I was in a, I was in the Tonga hut. I was ordering a drink from the bar, and then somebody's like frantically calling my name from across the way, and then like somebody was fanboying on it. Yeah, it was like <laughs> of all places, like it's like a random Friday night, mm-hmm. like <laughs> in a tiki bar, not even Trader Sam's, just right. a random one in North Hollywood, and like, like, are you the guy that built the mine train model? Like. Yeah, hey, that's so cool, you know. And then he like he, he then he kind of went off into gibberish, but I was like, wow, that 
That's weird, but at the same time, it's not because it's nice. Tiki and Disney kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, kind of you have the Venn diagrams kind of colliding with each other. Right, there's an overlap there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's worse things to be known for. So I'll I'll take a <laughs> uh, a model that is in uh, Walt's barn uh, that has now been there for five years. Wow. Of, uh, this this last June, I know. Really? And then I just kind of became a volunteer, and then uh, one thing led to another, and now I'm part of the uh, board of directors on the Carrollwood Foundation. Isn't that funny how that works so, out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so now I'm a little more involved with the uh, the mine train restoration, which mm-hmm. is super cool in itself. I never thought, if you told 14-year-old Sam <laughs> right. that I was going to be somehow involved with restoring the last remaining mine train model, or mine train train. The real, the real ride vehicle from the park, right, right. Yeah, the prototype for my own model. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I it's crazy where this uh, <laughs> this model railroad has taken me, which uh, I'm not complaining at all. It's uh, it's done pretty well for, uh, you know, yeah. for itself. You, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> done pretty well for you. I mean, <clears throat> the the places it's taken you. Let's you know back up and give people a little history if they didn't listen to the earlier show with you. And that's you yeah. you uh, you were uh, you were a sweeper at Disneyland, right? You you worked in the custodial department, correct? Right. That's right. So uh, back in, uh, I say back in, like it was so long ago. Eh, it was enough. Uh, it was a 11, while. It was over a decade ago. Yes. 2010. Yeah. The, yeah. The early uh, 2010s. Uh, right. <laughs> what What is that? The te- the the teens, I guess. Back in the teens. The right. early teens. Back in the early teens. Um. So I I hired on part time as a custodial cast member. Um. It was just like a summer job, and then. Uh, as things do, one thing leads to number. Summer job became full time job, and I ended up being there for uh, half a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a lead and a dispatcher um, for the custodial department, yeah. and uh, got to get, really get my hands dirty physically and <laughs> I bet um, <laughs> in and around the park. I mean, hey, if if there's a fluid your body makes, there's a very good chance I've cleaned up all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even talking about just the basics. Uh, we can get specific if uh, you know if you want. Um, well, I don't think we want it. Let's let's go in a different direction than bodily fluids. Uh, and yeah. so you went from there, right. and you went from there to working yes. uh, at uh, Disney Imagineering as as a contractor, uh, a contract worker uh, for, yes. for, in the model shop. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So. If I had tried to get into Imagineering any earlier, I wouldn't have made it. If I tried to get into it later, I wouldn't have made it. I I hit the right sweet spot where they were hiring a lot of people in a hurry. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my my skills were known by a few people. And they're like, you know, hey, let's try you out for a summer, you know. And I remember my first day walking in and there's like an eighth inch model of the new Rivers of America. And then Mm -hmm. (laughs) Star Wars land. Right. Oh, okay, this is this is the big leagues here. This is uh, this is pretty substantial. Yeah. And then uh, that was only for a couple months because contractor hire you basically they hire you on for a project, and then uh, then you disappear for a while. Like, okay, your your project's done. See ya. I was like, okay, see yeah. you later. Right. And then uh, then they'll call you like, hey, we have a project for two weeks. Do you want to come back? Yeah, sure, I'll do that for two weeks. And then you 
disappear again. So it's it's an up and down right. uh, thing, which was you're totally mentally prepared to do that going into it anyways. I mean, that's most, you know, that's most of the art world to be. Well, know, yeah, and it's very similar. It's done, you know, there's not another one. Right. It's very yeah. similar to the motion picture industry. You work, you work. The, the 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 company you work except in that case the company you work for completely disappears at the end of the job <laughs> you know they create this whole company <laughs> and hires all these people yeah. on and they all work, work on this thing for a couple of years and then psh, that's it and then thanks everybody right. here's a yeah. lovely parting gift by the end of the summer uh my boss at the time she really wanted to hire me on um even early on but there just wasn't a position open mm-hmm. a full-time position um, so contractors, you had the green badge, uh, full-time employees, you had the blue badge. Right. So you're often referred as green badge, blue badge. Um, so I left Disneyland resort as blue badge. So I was full-time right. there and I couldn't make the transition. It was too tricky, even though it's all under the same umbrella, the same Disney name. Right. You just could, I just couldn't make a lateral transition. It's like, okay, fine. I'll mm-hmm. do a contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, position and then I'll kind of fill in the gaps whenever projects come and go that actually took me all the way through winter and then because we were working on rivers of America getting that crazy half inch equals a foot model that was like 30 feet long just pounding that out because (laughs) I remember them saying this is going to open summer of 17 which felt far away and also like scary close frighteningly close it was like oh wow so it so this was like this was done with no CNC machines. This is all like old school. You do a small model. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, there's some new toys involved. So we scanned that model, right? And then we sliced it, scaled up those slices, and then we just took layers and layers of foam, cut them out with a roto zip. So we were basically doing CNC work, but manual manually. Right. <laughs> so it was like we were human human CNCs cutting out these profiles of all the rocks leading from uh, the first bridge all the way up to, I think, just beyond the Fantasyland Bridge. So we did all, so we did that. That was one of the fastest models that we, at least in my history of Imagineering, was pretty, pretty dang fast. Yeah. So that took me all the way through winter, um, summer of 16, um, which worked out because they were like, hey, um, Shanghai, went over budget um and we're have to we have to cut back some staff mm-hmm. oh no but being a temporary contractor i kind of knew this was you know part of the part of the game it's like right. okay you know let me know let me know if there's any work you know mm-hmm. coming up so i disappeared for a month which totally worked out because that was the same month uh for which railroad days was happening so that let me get the mine train model up to snuff uh, i was able to work on that full-time for four weeks uh which was which that totally worked out fine that's kind of the nice thing about contract work if you can swing it is you have nice breaks in between to do other stuff right um and this will play into our conversation later about the whole florida nonsense yes we have we have an ecosystem in you know the southern california area that allows this kind of work to happen Mm -hmm. you know we have the back and forth the ebbs and flows that uh, corporate likes to say that we have um, <laughs> it just worked out mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, luckily in my age group I had the benefit of learning digital work early on right and 
Legends, I was able to come back to Disney um, doing digital work for Galaxy's Edge. So um, there was no model work at the time, mm-hmm. for, at least enough to justify bringing, bringing on a contractor. Luckily, uh, Galaxy's Edge and um, the Rivers of America project had a ton of chipped rock work that needed to be processed. So basically, we had to go in and take all the digital scans of all the physical models and then clean them up and get them ready for the vendor. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a difference that I think Disney has an edge over, like other companies. Universal is learning, and a couple other places are learning as well. Um, but people forget, like, yeah, you can scan a model, and you can, like, try and 3D print it or um, or CNC mill it, but there's there's a little bit of, like, fidelity that goes away right like you have to go in and manually exaggerate features you have to deepen cracks and crevices you have to really make things really sharp right and for the stuff that we were doing we wanted to make enough of we wanted all the features in the rock to be substantial enough that the guys carving them can see those in the rebar right so when they're out there slinging you know, three to four inches of concrete on top, you know, that already softens all of the carving work that we did. And yeah, there is some interpretation that they do on top of the uh, the main forms, but we want the main definitive features that we captured in the original model right. to, show, to show through. Right. So we had to do that. We did all of that digitally. We went through and we exaggerated everything. So I did that for several months. It's great, but the technology isn't perfect. You have to go back in and fill in areas that the scan totally missed. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, then, there's uh, always gonna. I think there always has yeah. to be a human artist at one end. I mean, it, it's no matter how much certain. Oh yeah. Corporate entities would like to take the human artist out of the mix and be able to put it all through a machine and say, okay, it goes in this end and comes out over there, as this uh, themed right. experience. Someone has to interpret that stuff at every level. So it's just it's just using different yeah. tools. It's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes a Rockford project, you can have up to three different um, artists touch that same feature. You right. have the guy that carves the model. You have the guy that's processing the scan and making all the planes and all the and all the uh, defining features show mm-hmm. through. And then you have the guy carving it in the field. Oh, then you have the painters on top who have thrown their other extra layer on top. So, yeah, it's it's a very human process, yeah. even though we have all the cool technology that, you know, they often try and push. Like, why, not, why aren't we 3D printing rock works? Like, <laughs> because what? Because once you print it, <clears throat> you can't change it, you know? And right. Then, you know, they, they tried doing samples of it, and it just... It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Like right. it just doesn't have the same. Like you see all. It's like it's like printing something on an FDM printer. Like you, you see all the layer lines, which means you still have to post process it right. again. You know right. why not just spray concrete on, which is the cheapest building material you can get, right. and then just do it once, carve it, done. You know sometimes there you have to do come back and like you know, jackhammer areas that like, you know, this form doesn't work. It doesn't mm-hmm. lead into the next geological feature nicely. So, uh, you know, you do have to go back or sometimes it's just like an issue with that, that mix just didn't work out the way, 
you know, you wanted to, you know, I've heard some guys, they'll carve a whole section, then the whole concrete just, just completely falls off. Wow. Form, then they have to like start over because it's a very, you know, organic material. It's like working with, you know, a really permanent clay. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're sculpting basically a very yeah, large, exactly. uh, large medium. Yeah. Well, I think we, everyone can agree that the rock work on Galaxy's Edge turned out really nice. I mean, it, uh, it's some yeah. of the best Disney's done, I think. It's fantastic. Yeah. And especially a lot more, especially after Avatar with uh, artificial foliage mm-hmm. and doing more and more with carvable epoxies, too. So yeah. we're always looking into uh, different materials that uh, could work. And, I mean, all of Shanghai didn't use a piece of wood for any of their rock work. All of those pirate ships, concrete, all those buildings, concrete, right. you know. It's it's a cheap building material, right. you know, and you can make it look like anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of the uh, the equivalent of uh, model makers foam. You can make anything out of it. You can right. do rock work. You can do buildings. You can do uh, hard edge objects. You know, out of foam. Like it's it's a very versatile material, and right. it's super cheap. You know, of course the uh, the caveat is, you know, the structural steel that has to support it and. The primary and the secondary steel that goes on top of that, and you know that's not cheap in itself. And people are always complaining, like, "Ooh, Disney built you know Disneyland in a year back in 1955. Why does it take so long to build things now?" It's like, well, here's the thing: you have guys from the studio building rock out of plywood and two by fours, and right. they're just doing, they're just, you right. know, they're just cowboying it. They're just like with a staple gun, just go, go, go. Right. You know, and then they're just slapping, you know, lath on top of that and doing the, you know, plaster on top of that or concrete. Yeah, the answer to that, I think the ultimate answer to that is, oh, well, they built Disneyland in a year. How come it takes so long? It's like, yeah, they built it in a year and they've been rebuilding it ever since. (laughs) Yes. Every year since then, they've been rebuilding it. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. You guys were building flat rides. For mm-hmm. Fantasyland, and you couldn't even get those opening, you know, you couldn't even get those running opening day. It's like, come on, guys, you know. <laughs> you it was like their double. first. It was their first park, you know. They did. They did pretty well, you know. Yeah, you know. Come on, off the shelf carnival rides. Come on, guys, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, and then there's just so much more involved in the planning of all of that. You know, all the plywood and. Two by four Rockberg is now primary steel and secondary right. steel, and all that has to be engineered. That all mm-hmm. has to have a foundation. That all has to be permitted and approved, and right. iteration after iteration. And then, you know, there has to be reasons for all of that. Sometimes you're building rock to hide something. Sometimes you're building rock to, you know, enclose a space. You right. know, there's so much more involved in the integration, and that's where most of the time is spent. Right. You know, right. it's not you know cheap facades that are painted circus stripes <laughs> and you want you want them to get that right you want them to take the time with it because you know that's oh like, yeah you don't want it to fall down like you know cascade peak which was built with yeah you know wood exactly. it was built we're talking about yeah. stapling onto wood and chicken wire that's basically how that was made yeah precisely and then you take that lifespan of whatever cascade <clears> peak <throat> was and then you take the stuff that was being done now and it'll last like three times four times longer i mm-hmm. guess there's only one way to find out we'll just have to you know let future generations deal with it down the road right. you know because also we're, we're doing stuff out of stainless steel right. you know it's not all um you know it's not all just whatever is off the shelf 
you know, that everything is engineered uh, to a point to make it last as long as possible. And it's not just a cost savings in maintenance. It's like, we just don't want to do it again. (laughs) You know, we don't want (laughs) to rebuild it again. Right. It's there. It's there. Right. (laughs) So, right. And it's a huge, it's a huge upfront investment to, uh, to build those things, you know? Um, Oh yeah. You know, they're always looking to cut back on rock work. So, uh, galaxy's edge had a lot of rock work up front and then, it was annoying to have to cut rock work left and right, especially when we found out riot systems were super expensive and um, they wanted to pay for certain things and not others. And so, was like, okay, let's just go to the bank of rock work. Let's take out this tree <laughs> and that tree. Trees, as in the petrified, the petrified trees, trees in, yeah. uh, in uh, Star Wars. So uh, things got cut left and right. We we did a lot of cool features that were like, oh, do we have to get rid of that? Okay, fine. You know, you just kind of get used to the process of it. Yeah. Which, you know, you, you can't get too attached, like, I think, to these yeah, things. Yeah, totally. And there's cases where, like, oh, that would have been really cool, but you, know, you look at other cases, like, you know, less is more. That totally was the right decision. Mm-hmm. That, that one rock didn't serve a purpose. Um, why are we even? Why are we even bothering to engineering for that? A tree looks just a real tree looks just as nice as that fake petrified tree right so and we did a lot of site studies with that where on the model uh this was an eighth inch model that we did and we also verified it on the uh half inch model Mm -hmm. so we skipped a quarter inch as a cost savings which wasn't really a cost savings because we had to do a (laughs) lot of changes Mm -hmm. (laughs) every iteration you get more and more uh you define your design a lot more for each iteration and then uh, you get more and more accurate numbers too, because they're always scanning the models. That's what determines the square footage. That's what determines the budget. Half inch is half inch equals a foot is pretty much the scale that you could go bigger, but you wouldn't get much of a difference in terms of the detail you're scanning right. and your square footage numbers mm-hmm. that you're pulling off of those right. as well. Right. Back in the old days, before scanning, uh, model guys would like cut out pieces of aluminum foil that they knew was like 10 feet, 10 square feet, 10 by 10 square feet. At scale, right. So you had your square footage represented. Then they would just take squares and squares of those and just lay them on the model. And then you would kind of count how many squares you used. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of throw in a factor of like maybe 10, 15%. And that was a pretty close number to what your square square footage was for like super organic shapes, which Mm -hmm. is pretty, pretty wild to think about. So, and you know, with Galaxy's yeah. Edge too, it occurs to me that <clears throat> this was um, th- this was engineered for two locations. That's right, both for California so, and for Florida at the same time. Isn't that the that's the, the first time. time that an entire land, I think, has been specifically engineered for both for for more than one location like that? I mean, there's definitely been instances where it's called a lift. Mm-hmm. Where you, you you design it once, and right? Then like, oh hey. Uh, Tokyo wants a Toontown as well. Right. Let's just use the same design. There's a model built for Toontown back in like you know the early '90s. Right. Cool. Went that went over to the warehouse and then like hey, uh, Tokyo wants a Toontown. All right, let's pull that model out. Right. So they would pull the model back out and then they would uh, decide what stayed and what was new and then they would just reuse the model basically mm-hmm. and then that would go away and then. Uh, flash forward like 30 plus years and like hey we're redoing toontown yeah. for anaheim 
let's pull that model back out. Wow. And so they pulled out the same model that was done for the original Toontown, mm-hmm. as well as the odds and ends from the Tokyo version. So they had to kind of decipher what was what. Okay, that was that's Anaheim, Anaheim, that's Tokyo. Right. And then there was just stuff that either was completely like disintegrated or was completely different now mm-hmm. or something that um yeah or something that was totally changed and then of course all the new stuff that went into it so models can get a very uh used life cycle which is kind of crazy to think about like he talks to some of the old timers who have seen all the iterations and like talk to uh the guy who built the toontown models like did you ever think we'd pull this out <laughs> 30 years later he's like no Right. Not in a million years. Right. Like, but you never know, you know, and that kind of goes into like, what do you save? Once a model is done, what do you do with it? And probably throw away maybe three quarters of the stuff that we do. And a lot of it's just study models. A lot mm-hmm. of it is just, just a one-off just to kind of figure things out. And then right. yeah, you try and keep a lot of the, uh, the, the show worthy models. Like I know bits and pieces of the galaxy's edge model still exists, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of filler pieces that were just like just paths and landscape just to fill in the right, gap so right, right. some things weren't worth saving even though it'd be nice to have the whole model back together but there's no real purpose for that right these things are purpose built for it, it, it's like creating a storyboard for for a film for an animated film it's it's it, it's made to create the other thing it's purpose built to create this other thing it's the it's the sketch for the painting. Yeah, exactly. So, and and you know that that's just a judgment call at the end of a project. You know, some models we just like. You know what? Who knows? They'll just re- let's just rebuild it when the when the time comes. <laughs> uh, which uh, that may not be the case anymore. But uh, right, the they're trying to get away from uh, models, aren't they? They it's like they want to do everything <laughs> digitally. Uh, this is what I keep yeah, hearing. I said, can we can't we just yeah. do it on the computer? Isn't it cheaper just to do it on the uh, computer? Yes. Yeah, but uh, we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> Music to my ears, not uh, <laughs> Bert Klein. Bert Klein, who works at the animation studio, mm-hmm. uh, him and I chat at the barn a lot. Um, he always tells me he's like, whenever you hear, can't you just? Right. That's just not a good <laughs> thing to hear. Can't you just? Why are we building two models? We have a digital model and we have a physical model. Can mm-hmm. we just like not do one of them? Well, we're obviously going to use the digital model for um, for BIM. BIM is basically the uh, the slang term for uh, like integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's or digital integration. It's where all like all the Revit models and where all of the uh, um, all the assets like like they will, they will model. This is like just any other construction project, so there's no trade secrets being spilled here. But yeah. like, they will model every fire extinguisher, every fire alarm, every pipe, and every conduit that runs through the building. Right. So this is a digital model that everything gets put into, and it's a great uh, project management um, tool as well. When you're out in the field, you can mm-hmm. go and pull up every drawing for any air handler or mechanical room. And so our rockwork, mo- our rockwork stuff will get scanned and then put into that mm-hmm. you know and then you get these project managers like well we already have the digital model why do we need a physical model and they're like where do you think that digital model came from you know right. <laughs> Unless we have an amazing digital sculpture which we're all kind of aware of what we all do right. uh, i don't think that would work 
uh, kind of a tangent of that, like, why aren't we doing digital rock work? I mean, ILM does it all the time for their movies and mm-hmm. a bunch of other movie effects houses do Weta, it. Yeah. The mm-hmm. thing is, yeah, it's like, yeah, it does look great. You are right. And yes, they are doing it digitally. The, the thing, though, is they're doing it for a movie. Right. They're, you're only seeing it two-dimensionally. The stuff that we're doing, you have to see it three-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. And... When you're doing something computer, you're doing things in a fake space. You're doing things with fake perspective, fake lighting, fake color. Right. Oh, that's my favorite is when like, oh, could we do digital color boards? I'm like, are you insane? The same <laughs> same shade of blue. And this is like a, a total John Hench like tangent. You got you got you gotta paint it on big, you know, sheets of masonite. And take out. it outside into the sun. Different. Right. Yeah, and the shade at different times of year. Different. Yep. Right. Exactly. You know, look at it at <clears> five <throat> o'clock and at one o'clock. It's going to be a completely different color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking at a fake version of mm-hmm. what you're doing. And, you know, we get it all the time where, and I've done it myself too, where you model something in a computer. You, I like, I will spend weeks, um, at least on Star Wars, like fixing crappy SketchUp models that they want 3D printed. <laughs> and I'm there noodling on little tiny grids and and uh nuts and bolts and other weird gack pieces and mm-hmm. then you get the 3d print back and like oh you don't even see it it's so small you know <laughs> like you have exactly. a sense of scale mm-hmm. in it as well like you kind of get the perspective right and you can kind of do some pretty uh swanky concept art from it but mm-hmm. you know you got to see it in three dimensions and that's what's so important about doing models right. As long as I think as long as humans are going to be moving through the environment, you have to create, you know, there's just no other way to do it uh, well than to create an actual environment that they can move through and look around. And uh, yeah, yeah, because problems are going to pop up there that you're not going to see in a computer. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And even uh, right. Exactly. Um, And then here's the thing you're also working in a virtual space where things float magically right in in uh, <laughs> infinite space and then you get you, then you follow the stuff that they send you and they're like okay here's the new show box facility mm-hmm. here's where uh, these things intersect and this is where the roof pitches and then this is the you know this is this elevation that meets this elevation great you start doing it and you're like whoa this doesn't line up at all. What the heck is going on here? And right. then, uh, you know, you get the architect down in the shop. Like, okay, I follow your drawing. This is zero. Yeah. Okay. And then I, this is where this elevation starts. Yeah. Okay. And then this roof is here. And then they look at it like, oh, yeah, you're right. That doesn't that doesn't look right. <laughs> Sometimes it's a drawing here. Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, we moved the uh, the elevation line just for that. Um, just for that one drawing. Okay, so it was right. You know, I just need to adjust them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't really, you couldn't verify that Mm -hmm. until you did it physically. And there are certain things you can get away, but with, you know, Disney stuff, it's so complicated. All the things involved. Right. And then especially when you're trying to do stuff where, uh, in the instance for the uh, Fantasy Springs project, they're still working on in Tokyo, we had to hide all of the existing hotels that were not Disney hotels. So there was a lot of careful alignment of like where certain features and where certain buildings went. And sometimes you build things for the only reason that 
the only reason that it's there is to hide the Sheraton that's across the street. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the same with Cars Land. The only reason why those Cadillac fins are so dang tall is because we had to hide the power lines mm-hmm. that were just across the street. So, and you know, you you make it work. You fuss the design, and you make it all kind of cohesive that it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't look contrived. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really difficult doing Rockwork too. Is like, yeah, you're a human that still looks at features that you want to be symmetrical mm-hmm. and so doing things randomly like in nature is really tricky sometimes uh the uh guys that were in charge of the rockford team it was uh, uh jolt horme uh fabrice canal uh you know all these guys that have traveled the world they've seen all kinds of amazing uh geological features and they have an eye for design they have yeah. an eye for proportion they're always coming down the shop and they look at stuff and they're like pointing out rocks same 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 you know know? right (laughs) like okay we gotta break that (laughs) up or you know or you or you think about in their head you hear their voices in your head you're like big little right small big medium little small like there's a i had an art teacher at school who taught me the what he called (laughs) the three bears principle yes the mama bear the papa bear and the baby bear you, you break it up into different shapes and different sizes. You know, here's the papa bear rock, the mama bear rock, and the baby bear rock. And then it, you yeah. start to approach something that almost looks natural. And I talk about this a lot when, you know, rock carving and things like that. The natural, as you were saying, the natural human propensity is to, we love straight lines. We want things to line yes. up and be square. And, and <clears throat> so you have to kind of get yourself out of that mindset to be able to do it right. Right, right. So it, it's very much like doing a Christopher Walken impression. It's uh, <laughs> here's my analogy. That's it's, great. It's like people who try to do it, they go very like A B A B mm-hmm. when it's really A B C D B A. It's crazy. You have to do a random, random way of flow. You know, <laughs> so. It's the same with rock work, and we would do uh, crazy things where we would make like in terms of like uh, um, like rubble or like um, you know or simulated landslides. We would make a bunch of rocks, and then we would literally just throw them on the model. Yeah, and w- wherever they landed, that's where they're going to build. That's where they're going to be. The same thing 20, 24 times bigger. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Joel was a big proponent of don't over carve it; just get the main gestures and leave it alone. Mm. And so, uh, when we were doing the Rivers of America project, there was he like he was doing a, a review with us, and then we were looking at the uh, the alleged uh, balancing rock that's uh, right by the yes uh, the steel bridge, mm-hmm. um, which for the record we wanted to move, and then they're like, no, we don't want to maintain it. Okay, fine. Can we put the bobcat up there? Come on. And, uh, yeah. I think it was, I think Kim Irvine was like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And we, we all got super excited. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we're like, oh, where is he? Oh, he's just hidden behind the train <laughs> track. All right, fine. No. no big deal. But they added a sound effect, which wasn't intended. Mm-hmm. You know, you can hear the, the, the roar of it as you're going by on the train, which I was a, an unexpected effect. Mm. So, a lot of projects do kind of take on a life even after they, they leave Glendale. Um, right. Anaheim will take over, put in their own touches. But we were working on this balancing rock, or at least the you know the look, the old nature's wonderland look. 
And then uh, Jolt goes over. He picks up this random chunk of foam, puts it on the model, throws a T-pin, you know, to kind of secure it. And then he's like, that's it. There's your rock. <laughs> that's the rock. And they it exactly like that rock. And I think we even joked that it was like a, it was a weird shape. Like, it looks like a an upside-down baby shoe. So we actually called it Baby Shoe Rock for the longest yeah. time. Yeah. And then... Uh, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, there it is. It there just it is. Kind of stuck. <laughs> it was so weird. Yes, there is kind of a rhythm um, that you still have to follow with certain geological features. Yeah, keeping it, keeping it random, mm-hmm. you know, Christopher Walken style. <laughs> keeping it random. That's a that's a t-shirt right there. Keep it random. There you go. That's a freebie for you. <laughs> so you worked on all these great projects: uh, Galaxy's Edge, Rivers of America. Did some stuff for Tokyo, Pixar Pier. You did some work on yeah, that that's model. Right. You that's you're you're yeah. immortalized in video on that one, working on the Pixar Pier. Right. Model. Yeah. yeah. At least in while it was still open, you can see me doing a lot of explaining with my hands. Because it was all in slow mo too. <laughs> like, okay, we were just talking about lunch that day, which is pretty <laughs> crazy. Uh, once I came back to do digital work, it was one project led into another. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept me going as a green badge because um, I went on to do all of the uh, maquettes for all the spaceships and vehicles. So I built Havenge equals a foot ATAT. Mm. I built the uh, spaceship that's on top of the uh, uh, docking bay restaurant. Right. Um, I built the uh, uh, the first order ship that's in the quarter by the garrison. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one, uh, we built a couple models for that. Um, we built a ton of models for the uh, uh, Rise of Resistance. So that was supposed to be like a two or three week thing. And then that led right into uh, becoming full time mm-hmm. a year later. And then uh, Star Wars came and went. And then I went from doing uh, hard lines and symmetrical shapes that were painted three shades of gray. And then that went right into doing everything asymmetrical with every shade of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was super organic, and that was the Fantasy Springs mm-hmm. for uh, Tokyo, which they are still working on. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then everything in between. Pixar Pier. Um, I did some cool prop stuff. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Baymax attraction, which the best translation they can do is "Happy Ride with Baymax." <laughs> still makes me laugh but they wanted the uh the healthcare chip that was featured in the film they wanted that to be a prop mm-hmm. and uh they were like hey could the model shop do it and then um i was a little bit light on work so i ended up taking that oh no it was actually passed on to me um because someone else who was working on it ended up getting another project that was more their rhythm so i was like okay yeah i'll do that and so that's kind of one of the more fun instances where the prop the the thing that you're the actual thing that you're working on is the final product mm. a lot of stuff that we do um is a lot of process or right. design right uh driven uh projects right. um, very rarely does it end up being the final piece yeah. uh, and so that was a nice one that was like yeah the thing that i sent to tokyo was actually installed 
the thing I, you know, I took the Pixar Pier model down in a box truck at 3 a.m. And that was <laughs> the, the final uh, thing for that. Yeah. Um, but that was a really cool area that I, I got to really <clears throat> trick out. And I got to do an homage to my past, which I put a little custodial sleeper and mm-hmm. little trash cans. And, yeah. you know, people were like, oh, my God, they have little trash cans on there. It's like, and those are the details that I love putting because those right. are those are details that are just you know synonymous with the theme park right. especially a disney theme park experience and right. you know that's what completes it that's like you know all the weird you know spigots and hoses and other weird stuff you put alongside a house you know that's just kind of what makes it that's right speaking of bad ideas um <laughs> oh, where do we what is it what is it you know pixar pier you're you're, you're doing your very best uh, yes. with with what is essentially and and I hope this isn't a controversial opinion a bad <laughs> idea um yeah you know it, it's it's it turned out nice the light the colors and the lights are it's lovely at night not lovely the night. not not the greatest idea I don't think yeah this was this is where things everybody noticed well obviously when uh you know I'm standing in the middle of Mapo which was the model shop that I worked in most of the time. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm reading from my phone. Oh, Chapek is the new CEO. And everybody <laughs> just kind of like had a blank stare. Just like, oh, because we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know what was going to happen with that. We, mm-hmm. we hadn't heard a whole lot from him. And quite frankly, we still don't hear a whole lot from him. We we're just like, wow, where is this going to go? And then we started to see it happen. I remember seeing the Tower of Terror model and, talking about reusing mm-hmm. models again tower of terror is brought out and i was like oh that's interesting i wonder if they're gonna put it somewhere else and uh a couple days later i see all this i can say this now all this crap <clears throat> was put on top of it right i'm like what <laughs> you guys are just doing a study model right you're just playing with ideas right mm-hmm. which yeah we we do that from time to time we do all kinds of we start moving stuff around and that's the that's the idea with models you let right. your imagination kind of explore it and you kind of figure out mm-hmm. okay let's let's do something crazy you know while it's ch- cheap to move foam blocks around as opposed right. to the real thing mm-hmm. and, and i'm like is this approved and he's like reluctantly yeah we're doing this I'm like oh well that's interesting mm-hmm. and then later a couple months later it was announced at comic-con i was like wow they're actually doing that and then that's a crazy turnaround like to get yeah, that, that was done fast. as well like it was it was ridiculously fast and some people praise it and then you know and then like you know i come from the perspective of growing up with this stuff and i'm training myself to have the right creative eye and i i like making cool stuff mm-hmm. like i want to see something cool and then i look at that i'm like that is not something that is cool <laughs> you know it, it's like you look at it like oh where's the tires that are like on the back side so when it folds up and rolls away to the next you know you know state fair it's like a big 18 yeah one of those 18 wheelers that just pops up (laughs) (laughs) with the scary castle right right yeah but it's it suffers in comparison to the great theming that tower of terror had you know it's like yes it looks slapped on and it is correct it is a more thrilling attraction. I mm-hmm. will say that. On the flip side, though, I am a fan of less is more and suspense. Right. Um, like to have that Rod Serling impression mm-hmm. uh, narration yeah. guide you through this. And then you're just like, 
like your anxiety is going through the roof because mm-hmm. it's a slow pace. You do not know when this is going to happen. Okay, DCA, you do know what's going to happen. You've written it more than once. Mm-hmm. Florida, you do not know what's going to happen. Right. It's randomized. Right. You know, which they did fix with Guardians. It all It is all randomized, mm-hmm. which on the other flip side of that is like, it's kind of a one-trick pony. You know, like, ooh, this room is blue now. Okay, cool. Then up and down, up and down. Ooh, now it's red. Okay. I'm looking yeah. at the same screen, you know, and I have easier ways of getting a headache than going on this. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting there. That moment where you're looking down that forced perspective hallway, it's just cool effects. It's, yeah. it's cool old school effects. And you're just right. like, the ride has just like been moving less than a mile per hour. And I'm already, my heart is pounding. Mm-hmm. And like, just in t- just the anticipation right. of like what's about to happen. You see that little that little tiny projected door drop. And then like, boom, then you're, then you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Guardians is just like, okay here we go start the ride here we go all the way up all the way down it's just kind of like it's it's semi-predictable which Mm -hmm. with tower i kind of missed that yeah and so once that opened up and then we're like okay that was interesting and then manager was like that was that was super successful look at our look at our survey numbers we're doing great you know Mm -hmm. let's do that kind of thing again let's just do overlay 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 and then uh that's when Pixar Pier happened. And then mm-hmm. Pixar Pier was actually the breaking point of how fast we can push projects. Cause this was like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's make this, let's make a permanent <laughs> thing out of concrete and steel. Let's rush this to meet an opening date for a movie that may or may not do well. Right. Which, right. Like this was Incredibles too at the time. I'm like, Oh boy, here mm-hmm. we go. And so that was the project. They were like, we can't do this pace. We have to, you know, reconfigure this. And mm-hmm. then uh, a lot of the later projects after that, they're like, okay, we kind of learned a lesson there um, just from a scheduling uh, standpoint. But between Pixar Pier and Guardians and then they dropped Avengers Campus, I was, <laughs> I was, everybody was kind of like torn of like, wow. We almost had a real theme park here, like between, uh, like, actually ten years ago. Like, what the other day we opened Buena Vista Street, mm-hmm. you know, with the red car trolley and everything was in theme. You had the you had the twenties there. You had Hollywood. Uh, you had the Hollywood Pictures area, which still needed some help. And still <clears> still and does. Still does. Yeah. And Tower of Terror. Okay, you had the thirties back there. Sweet. Okay, and then. Uh, the summer that I started at Imagineering, they had just finished the Grizzly Peak Airfields, mm-hmm. which was like, you know, 40s, 50s. Okay. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Great. Love it. That dovetails perfectly with, you know, the National Park right. thing that, you know, California really embraces. And then you just kind of like, you look at Cars Line, you got the 50s going on. Right. That's kind of a stretch, but I think it's close enough, you yeah. know, in the grand scheme of things. You look at it from a whole, it's like, yeah, you got all these amazing decades going on and then you go over to uh, Paradise Pier and you're like wow we got like the early 1900s going on mm-hmm. you have like uh, right. <laughs> the teens you know <laughs> right. going back to those teens wow we have all these cool decades going on and this is like what we've been like waiting for we've been waiting to do right. stuff like this so it had, it had a cohesive fun. theme for about five minutes <sighs> and it's such a uh, yeah DCA 2.0 yeah. was was great it was it was yeah. really well done and then we start slapping on these uh, 
<clears throat> yeah. And I understand like, that there are people out here who love the stuff that there's that, that there is narrowed down, but it, it 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 did completely derail the theme of the park. One of the biggest complaints with California Adventure was when it first opened was it felt too modern. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to go to you know, I don't want to go to a modern version of California because I'm already living in a modern version of California. Right. Now, if you flip a script and like, all right, let's go to a version of California set in a different decade. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. A very romanticized version, of course. Like, right. Okay. You have my attention now. Like, mm-hmm. and then uh, Bugs Land was weird. You know, I, but <laughs> that's right. You know, how do you fit that in there? But, but I like the like over the top theming of it. I like the giant, you know, nonsense. It's just kind of like one of those weird lands that you just kind of overlook. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just kind of like, eh, it's just there. That, that's like California Adventures Holiday Land. You know, that Disneyland has like, eh, it's just there. It's kind of, it's its own thing. Holiday Land. You know? That's a deep cut. <clears throat> <laughs> right. And you had like so you had weird juxtapositions that you never would know were there until you built them. Like you had. You know, Tower of Terror lit in this deep purple UV light. Mm-hmm. You saw it from Bugs Land, you know, under the canopy of these giant clovers. Like it had, it had kind of a neat look. It's, yeah. the, it's the monorail beam that goes around the Matterhorn. You weren't, they weren't meant to go together. It kind of works, but it kind of works way. in a like, weird way. Yeah. But Avengers well, Campus, it cannot be argued. Avengers no. Campus is very successful. And the one thing I will say they did have done right there is the entertainment. You know, it's nonstop. Yes. There's nonstop, which was supposed yes. to be in Galaxy's Edge, and we didn't get it. But there's nonstop entertainment in in uh, Avengers yeah. Campus, which is what makes the land work because there's really not a lot to do there otherwise. Yeah, which <clears throat> which is genius in itself because somebody explained it to me, and I completely agree with it. It's the fantasy land of California Adventure. Fantasy land, you're allowed to have whatever character walk through it, mm-hmm. and there's no timeline holding them back. There's continuity issues that you just you just overlook because it's just it's been dialed down to a point where you can allow that to happen. Which so why not do that in Galaxy's Edge? Why why can't we have Darth Vader in Galaxy's Edge? Oh my God! So uh, we're watching the new uh, Obi Wan Kenobi series, and I'm just like, man, Darth Vader is so cool. And now we have we have emo Darth Vader, you know, in Galaxy's Edge. I'm just like, oh my God. And okay, I will say this was something that we didn't really anticipate. We had such high hopes for the new movies and we thought, how cool would it be for them to do part of the story like on Batu, the the planet that you can go visit in a theme park. That would be so cool. Yeah. They never did they never did that. Disney is always trying to capitalize on the st- nostalgia, and I'm like, it's right here. All of this tried and true material. Yeah, is this is the, the way I put it: is imagine you own the rights <laughs> right. to the most popular movie villain in cinema history. Um, you own all the rights, 100, percent and you have a theme park, a couple of them, with lands dedicated to the franchise that that villain appears in. But that villain is not in that theme park. Is <laughs> not is yeah. not in that land. Yeah. Why and would you do that? Characters too. You know why not dip into that? And especially nostalgia. Like I am always pounding on nostalgia. Like do you know how much stuff you can like? That's why the new <laughs> series are so successful. They <clears throat> tap into that. Right. Like, like people call it fan service. I call it part of the world. You can still have 
Batu be part of the outer rim, right. use the same stuff that was already out there. And they do kind of do that a little bit, but you know, they just try too hard. Like we were being told we got to beat Harry Potter. We got to beat <laughs> Harry Potter. Like they were always, Oh, what are they doing over there? What's universal doing? Like we got to have our own butter beer. We got to have our own butter beer, but which like, yeah, that'd be great. But like, it just, it doesn't translate the same. Like, I'm sorry, blue milk just does not translate. It's not nearly as yummy as butterbeer. Butterbeer, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's then, like, just not. You go to Universal, <clears throat> and it just, ha- it, just, it just works. Right. Like, it's just one of those themes that just works. And, he, right. you know, in, in the terms of, you know, like, uh, Galaxy's Edge, it's like, it, just, it felt a little too empty. It felt a little too forced. I mean, this is all No pun intended. Of course. Because yeah. we were, yeah, right? Because we were, like, <laughs> we were trying to... We were trying to do something new. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. That's mm-hmm. exciting in itself to do something no one has ever seen before. And then it's just like, yeah, you still need those connection points. You right. still need those similarities that tie you back right. here and there. And then there's a lot of stuff that got cut that should have stayed in that I think would have really helped. But there's just things you don't really know until you actually do it. You know, And that's right. kind of one of the thrilling things of doing theme park stuff. But now the fixed timeline is going out the window. They're bringing they they've announced Boba Fett and uh, actually he's already yeah. here. Boba Fett and and Fennec Shand yeah. are walking around, and they're the Mandalorian and Grogu are going to be there. So it's like yeah. there that went, it's gone. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. why not? Which I'm all I'm all for it. I'm all for it too. I'm sorry. By now, where is your where is your Grogu photo op? Do you know how much that would like? how much that would like really take off. And right. this is another thing that just another uh, note on my list of like, man, tired of the fun- the football being fumbled mm-hmm. every time. But and speaking so- of fumbled balls, I think it's time to move on <laughs> to oh, the, yeah. to yeah. the notorious, much debated oh, uh, Lake Nona move. Yes. And let me, so- let me just, just summarize for everybody. Yes. Um, Since its inception, as uh, WED Enterprises, uh, a a company created by Walt Disney to build Disneyland, it has been located in Glendale on Flower Street. And uh, so there's tons of history there. And there's this huge pool of of, um, talented people and uh, institutional memory involved with, with... that location and and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, Bob Chapek announced that uh, Disney Imagineering, for the most part, like I don't know, a large percentage of it, eighty percent or more than eighty percent of it, the workforce uh, was going to move to a new purpose-built campus in Lake Nona, Florida, which is not too far from Orlando, and. Um, I'll let Sam jump in from there, and we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about this Ooh. move, which, by the way, yeah. has been put off until so, 2026. Yeah. Now, last I heard. <laughs> oh man, um, I have several points that will. Uh, I'm going to take you on a story, Dave. Okay, uh, let's go. Let's go for a story. And, sit back, relax, pull on the yellow strap, and hold on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay, Star Wars Land. That was a fumble. We really tried. We really wanted that to work. That was a fumble. Biggest franchise we've ever had. Avengers Campus comes out. I was I, I had really high hopes for that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never a Marvel fan uh, up until the pandemic happened. And then my wife and I were like, 
let's just watch all the Marvel movies start to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, let's yeah. be crazy. And so we did. And now we see every single movie opening night, IMAX screen, spared no expense. <laughs> like we are deep, deep, deep into it. Mm-hmm. And I just think about all the stuff that we could have done with Avengers Campus. You look at like characters they've used, like, you know, Doctor Strange is a character based in New York. You know, Spider-Man was a character based, based in, New, in York. New York. Okay. <laughs> like, come on, Iron Man. <clears throat> he had a whole Malibu mansion you could have tapped into. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, Captain America, who was set in the 40s, you know, in the, in the 30s. And he had, I'm sorry, you had an entire se- season of Agent Carter, who was in Los Angeles during the... 30s right uh, which you already had right so it was all of this content that just like just so many missed opportunities and so it was a lot of like fumbling of the football and then uh, remember that phrase because i'm going to bring it up again okay so let's fast forward a little bit so avengers campus is still being built uh 2019 we just finished d23 uh i finished the hardest project i ever worked on which was the uh um, the spaceship model for the uh, galactic um, adventure. The Star Cruiser. For the, the Star Cruiser. The galactic Star Cruiser for the Star Wars quote-unquote hotel. Because mm-hmm. um, that was an, a really aggressive timeline just to, make, just to make another marketing date, which was D23. And then uh, we were still doing stuff for Tokyo. Things were starting to slow down. And then uh, 2020 hits. You know, we're... You know, early on, we're like, this, this is going to be a big year. We're going to do a lot of cool stuff. Or so we thought, you know, we were starting yeah. to do stuff for Epcot. You know, they were telling me that one of the bottles that I worked on for uh, Tokyo was going to get shipped to Shanghai because that's where one of the vendors um, was to build all the set pieces full size. Mm-hmm. There was a model that was kind of my baby that I still can't talk about because they still haven't announced it yet, which I find <clears> very, <throat> very strange that i worked on something many many years ago and it's still not announced wow <laughs> so ho- hopefully on the next uh season dave you bring okay me back again we'll talk about we it next time it. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like oh crap i gotta update my uh my passport if i'm gonna go to shanghai and unpack my model so I'll, like i'm getting all this thrown together and then and like oh there's this crazy thing going on uh it's called the uh the coronavirus Um, we're not going to send you to China with your model. We're going to actually use a a different vendor. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. And then March of 2020, uh, we were told to go home for two weeks. Like, okay, this is crazy. You know, I'm at my desk. I'm like collecting things like, well, I need this in two weeks. Nah, two weeks, you know, became a a really long two, a really long time. Yeah. My wife and I were at Disneyland on, Wednesday and then by Friday they were shut down. We really cut it close there. So we're all just kind of uh, we're just kind of charging our hours to like weird things because we're all getting used to this this bizarre method. We're really kind of like hoping that this could like get resolved soon. And then uh, I guess Walt Disney World opens around this time. You know, they're um, you know people. This is a time when people were still legitimately freaked out about right. coronavirus, which like yeah. You know, and people in Florida have a much different opinion about that. And they they decided that they were going to reopen their parks, and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, D- Disneyland stayed closed, which was like, okay, fine. You know, we'll play it safe. We still didn't know a whole lot about this crazy thing. Right. Um, you know, and then as the months went on, I'm like, 
hey, Knott's Berry Farm is doing a, their own like food fair. Mm-hmm. You know, they got they managed to work with the, uh, you know, with the, the with protocols the guidelines. and the guide yeah. the guidelines. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you know, looking at Disney, it's like, guys, you can keep your employees, you know, paid and working. If you Open Main Street, version. yeah, yeah. Do you know how many? And this is just the first summer, you know. Mm-hmm. Little did we know we'd be closed a whole nother year. Right. Like, do you know how many people would pay just to walk down Main Street, watch mm-hmm. the castle and back? Like, and you can do your outdoor stuff just right. like Knott's Berry Farm. Copy them. Like, go for it. Like, be thrifty, you know. And I, I guess in retrospect, it was more of a union issue that Knott's mm-hmm. didn't have to deal with, which, right. fine, but every other theme park seemed to figure it out. And this is another, uh, another point for fumbled football by Disney. It's like, like that was a great thing to deal with and get some revenue mm-hmm. you know, and keep and, people working. You know? Yeah. So by the time October of 2020 came around, we, we were all kind of on edge a little bit because we had seen this before, you know, if the parks don't do well, you know, that's when the axes start swinging, you know, that's when the, the giant layoff notice came out. And this is when, you know, being safe, and keeping the parks closed quickly switched over to like, why aren't the parks open? Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? And so, and that was, you know, it was, it really sucked for people in the unions because they had to wait probably several weeks to find out if they were laid off or not. Mm-hmm. Because by October came around, we were all told, at least the majority of us, that you are now furloughed. That like, no, I'm not fired. Um, I'm just taking an unpaid break. Mm-hmm. You know, health insurance is still being paid for, which was all, which was fine. You know, as long as I stayed an employee, because this was a job that, you know, I really built a reputation for. I was being utilized left and right because I was a double-edged sword with mm-hmm. the physical model right. and the digital modeling ability. And I knew all the stuff inside and out from working at the parks and just the history and the heritage right. that's involved with it. So I wanted to hold on to this job as long as possible. So I was willing to be you know, furloughed or unpaid as long as possible, as long as, as long as it was needed, you know, to keep my employment. And then, uh, that's when the first wave hit. And so the union guys down in the parks, they were, they had to wait a couple of days. Imagineering and everybody that was salaried, they were told within the first two days mm-hmm. of it being the first couple of days of it being announced. And that was like 72 hours of terror. <laughs> Because you didn't know if the phone was going to ring yeah. or when it did, if it meant that you still had your job or not. Because another thing, too, is like model making is a really hard area to work in. Mm-hmm. You know, you can work for movies and stuff, but just like contracting stuff for Disney, you know, that's only so limited. Right. It only pays so much. And, you know, you're not there for very long to, to think beyond Disney, which was, you know, they paid decently well for what you were doing to go back to doing like freelance stuff was almost unthinkable mm-hmm. so the first wave hits and then uh you know we had about 30 people in dimensional design and that was easily cut in half yeah. in the first wave and so we're like dang and we were reading this on twitter so yeah. like people announcing that they were let go <clears throat> like oh man you know that really sucked and this was we were all still separated we were mm-hmm. all still at home right you know because this stupid virus is going around so we're like we couldn't even say a proper goodbye to everybody so right. they all had to go in and pack up their stuff while the shop is still empty and projectless that led right into winter of 2020 where it's like you know my boss later called me he's like hey you weren't let you weren't let go 
we want to bring you back. Uh, we have some projects on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just have the, the typical holiday slowdown, which is like, yeah, yeah. okay, that's fine with me. Right. As long as I know there is some sort of timeline of me coming back. Great. In the model shop, we were we were the last people to leave the building. You know, mm-hmm. we were told to go go away for two weeks. So we were just kind of like we were just cruising. We were totally spread out. We were totally, mm-hmm. you know, had our six six foot mandate because all of our model tables are over eight feet long. So right. we had it all figured out. But then, <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, dang, we can't make this work. So they just told us to go. So January, February rolls around. I'm like getting ready. Like, okay, I'm gonna be back. We're gonna get some projects going. 2021 this is going to be the recoup year which mm-hmm. now we find out it's just a you know a, a season uh continuation of uh 2020 they just renewed their 2020 season. part two this is where you cut to like a, a montage of like calendar pages just yep. being ripped crosses all <laughs> crosses off march april may june and like i'm getting more and more frustrated i'm just sitting here we were able to survive you know just doing odds and end jobs and because another thing, too, is like I wanted to come back to Disney. I couldn't commit to anything long-term because right. as soon as I take a long-term job somewhere, that's where, like, okay, it's time for you to come back now. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm already in the middle of this. I didn't mm-hmm. want that to happen. So right. I had to turn down a lot of projects that probably paid pretty decently, but I just couldn't do it from a scheduling perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. May, June, July. Ooh, we're coming up on a year from now. A year ago from now, uh, I'm being told that, uh, hey, we want to bring you back. We just got away for our projects. And I don't blame my managers or anything, but there was a lot of odd decision making going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a theory that HR was in charge of the mm-hmm. entire you know, pandemic duration, which is really frustrating because they needed people they needed people to work on stuff and the yeah. skeleton crew of people that they had were getting stressed out right and overworked because um, there was maybe two or three people that have been working the entire time they never went on furlough and but you know they're just there to kind of maintain mm-hmm. you know they weren't really there to produce but they were still given projects that slowly came back online and so i'm under the assumption that i'll be back soon but that kind of becomes like that weird like uh, hallway illusion where like you, you keep going down the hallway but then the hallway just keeps getting longer keeps getting longer, longer. yeah it's like You're running like, in a dream you never get anywhere yeah <laughs> yes I was hearing rumbling that oh they're they're printing banners for the Glendale campus that say welcome back to work welcome back to the magic I'm like oh you know this is music to my ears I'm right. like oh and then I get a phone call and then uh, it was, it's one of my other fellow furloughed uh, Imagineers and he's like He's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm having lunch because I'm, I'm working at home. You know, I want to be back at work. Right. You know, I'm like, I'm like complaining on a, on a low level uh, tone. And then he's like, is he here? I'm like, here about what? You know, it's like, he's like, he's a little dramatic. So he's like, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah, I'm having lunch. Yeah, I'm having lunch. <laughs> yeah, how with it? He's like, dude, they're moving Imagineering to Florida. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. Um, they just put out a, a they just put out a statement. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. Now this is coming from a guy that uh, we often quote Han Solo from Force Awakens, where <laughs> all the stories he tells are 
very strange. They they go on a very meandering path. They're mm-hmm. like, how is this even possible? Yeah. But somehow it's true. Mm-hmm. So we quote Han Solo, it's true. All, All of it. it. <laughs> so <laughs> as he's talking to me, I'm on Twitter, um, as I do, right. looking up my information. And then I, sure enough, I see an article that says, oh, Walt Disney Imagineering announces move to Lake Nona, Florida. And I'm like, oh, well, this is concerning right and now in the past you know they've tried to do regional campuses where every park around the world would have its own mini version of imagineering Mm -hmm. you know an honest effort but it just didn't work it didn't resonate the same because every project is so unique and you have to have each team where they need to be which was glendale most of the time right you can do little sub offices here and there um like Tokyo and Shanghai, Hong Kong, Paris, they have their own sub office. Florida, you know, yeah. honestly, I think spits a lot of a lot of game that they think they're <laughs> they're up and coming. Which some of the decisions they do are a little questionable on a lot of stuff that they do. <laughs> so we're like, okay, maybe this will work. And then, you know, and then he dropped a number of employees moving. Like, wow, that is that's almost all of that's almost all of everybody, right? And information is is given out super vague. We don't know any of the specifics, any of the details. And then uh, none of us were given. This was never officially told. I I ended up after he called me. I ended up reading a press release from Josh Jamaro on Mice Chat of all places. (laughs) And I'm like, I know I'm furloughed. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not supposed to check my email. But this wasn't even emailed to us. This mm-hmm. wasn't even like communicated to us. It was, it felt like such a punch in the gut, like like complete disrespect, that we weren't even included on this. Like I know yeah. we're not supposed to be doing work while on, on furlough, but this is a right. very unprecedented move. Mm-hmm. Like like why wasn't this communicated? So that was incredibly frustrating in itself. Right. So July whatever that was, uh, that was the day. And I'm, I coined this term. This is my own term. This is not the day that the <laughs> F-bomb dropped. The Florida bomb dropped. The Florida bomb. On everybody. Right. And it just it just deflated everybody because there were so many things that weren't explained. There were so many concerns that were not being addressed. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was so vague. And, you know, the fact that they've been, have, they were quote unquote working on this since 2019. I find very skeptical in itself. And then and the only reason why is because this was a plant that wasn't ready to be released yet. Right. As far as I know, this is, you know, all we could do is speculate, you know, and I am here to clear up uh, some things. Oh, good. Um, as, as well. I, we, having had to deal with this firsthand, um, we speculated that this was a plan that had been worked on for a long time. It was not ready to be released because everybody who was, uh, brought back to work, they mm-hmm. had like an emergency Zoom meeting with Bob Weiss mm-hmm. and a bunch of the other uh, executives. And this is all secondhand to me because I'm furloughed and I'm not allowed to know about any of this stuff. Right. Uh, you know, Bob looks very like he was caught off guard himself. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know. He probably knew about it. He just didn't know that was the day this was going to be announced. Right. And so there was a lot of like you know, damage control and trying to get this to, you know, be manageable from a PR standpoint. So 
poor Bob had to deliver the news. Um, not to derail, but Bob Weiss is a model train guy, I by know, the way. Yeah. 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 So uh, he, he, I'll, I'll put him in the cool group uh, <laughs> for now. Uh, <laughs> so um, you're in, Bob. Despite, yeah, despite the uh, the wonkiness um, and fumbling of the football uh, in the last couple of years, uh, he, he's part of the cool club. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, so again, so not only am I you know, shaky about my current position, I have an extra layer of like, okay, if I ever do come back to Disney, how, for how long though? Right. And this was stuff that was slowly being revealed, you know, through August and September. Um, August, I finally got to go back to my desk for the first time in over a year. And I, it was like a time capsule. And we were talking to my manager there and like, yeah, we, you were supposed to be back in September. And, that whole plan got derailed. I'm like, man, what a, and everybody was just deflated. You can just yeah. tell that. And you know, and there's a lot of people who, you know, they grew up with this. I grew up with this. And a lot of people close to retirement that, right. you know, they can't afford to move to Florida, you know, even though Disney will foot the bill for a lot of this stuff. And there are just, everybody's well established here. And we right. have, we had a good system going on. And so it was a lot of up, uprooting that really, really hurt. Mm-hmm. So, and just not getting a whole lot of details like, you know, like, oh, will we have enough production space to do all this? Oh, we don't know that yet. Okay, well, um, if I, okay, let's say I don't want to go, you know, what will happen to my job? Oh, we don't know that yet. Okay, well, like there's a lot of vague, there's a lot of simple questions that weren't being answered. Yeah. And that got and frustrating, of course. And then everybody that was there eventually, you know, had to go through the the Zoom talk of like, you know, like they the HR was going to answer all their questions, and a lot of them were just vaguely answered and never really like, you know, stuff that was supposed to, you know, confirm their answer whether they want to move to Florida or not. Which, you know, was also another strange thing. It's like why are they in such a rush to get people to Florida if we have no campus built? We have no plans of said campus. Right. You know, it was it was just a very strange thing in itself. You know, anybody that we ask from any level of management, any level of tenure, you just didn't, nobody knew. Nobody, had nobody no knew idea. what the heck was going on. It was very strange. And then, you know, and that's when, uh, you know, s- September, October came around. I'm like, it's been a year since the last round mm-hmm. and sure enough round two came around I'm like yep. oh boy let's just see and then I didn't hear anything for a while and then uh, and then my manager calls me she's like hey when do you have time to chat about your job and I'm like oh because I'm working at home I have all, t- all the time in the world you <laughs> so know? I'm getting plenty of time yeah yeah and then I'm like sweet I'm coming back to work hell mm-hmm. yeah you know and then then I just had to like kind of sit myself down I was like hold on wait a second hold the phone here hold on (laughs) right right. there hasn't been any projects in the last several months Mm -hmm. and they're getting less and less this doesn't sound good at all (laughs) and so i remember (laughs) getting that phone call and then you know and and it was my manager and, and her manager and someone else from hr and then they were because they had they've been doing this all day long and right. they were like hey you can tell you can you can hear it in their voice, in their voice. Like, like yeah they're like 
your position has been eliminated. And I'm just like, like I knew I, I kind of braced myself a little bit at the same time. It, it's still a punch in the gut. You're just oh yeah, like, yeah. What? Wait a minute. Huh? A couple of weeks before this, like everybody currently working employed, they were all given the option. They were, they were given 90 days to make a decision of whether or not they wanted to move to Florida, right, whether or right. not they had all the information they needed. Right. So they were stuck in that predicament. The myself and the other, you know, six other furloughed model shop employees, we weren't even given the chance mm-hmm. to decide whether or not we wanted to go to Florida. That's how poorly managed this was. Cause the day before I got this phone call, uh, one of my colleagues, he's like, he's like, dude, I can't wait anymore. I just took a job. I, I'm going to take a job where my, my family lives in Colorado. I'm going to move back there. You know, yeah. I can't wait any longer, you know, and I was starting to do the same thing. I was looking around at other jobs like, like, man, this goes back to like, what do you do beyond Disney? Like what? Right. Like how can you do bottle making for a living? It, it just <laughs> seems, especially in Southern California where everything is astronomical, you know, the price of living, cost it's of living. It's very expensive. Yeah. It's very expensive, which that was a term thrown around. Oh, Florida, cost of living, cost of living, which like, okay, hypothetically, you know, <laughs> what, what, what am I getting out of this? So we took the value of our place, mm-hmm. which I find very decent for the price. And then uh, compared to Florida, it's like, cool. We maybe get an extra bedroom for a condo. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get like a McMansion for the same <laughs> price, which is kind of what they were kind of alluding towards. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you think about like, you know, I'm not even going to dive into the politics that are going on in Florida. I mean, you can write a whole novel on that. Right. That's a whole nother show. Yeah, (laughs) man. And like, okay, let's say, let's say we uproot and we move all the way across. We go through the stress of moving, which we just moved into the place we're in now Mm -hmm. and dealt with all of that. And then all the freelance work I established, all these clients that I work with out here, you know, that type of work just isn't there in Florida. Right. Like it's not the same, like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, universal is the only game in town for mm-hmm. the most part out right. there. And I'm sure people are going to comment. Like, oh, there's so-and-so oh, there's So-and-so like, I'm sorry. It pales in comparison to the stuff that's out here. in Southern right. California. Southern California where, is the, where, is the themed entertainment capital of the world. That's where, where everybody started. is <laughs> yes. as well as motion picture and this industry. Is why, yeah, and this is why the studio and Imagineering worked so well. And this goes back to me being a contractor. Is like when your project was done, mm-hmm. you went off, you did other weird freelance work. Right. People went back to the movie business. Several model shop guys, mm-hmm. they all came from the movie business. They would right. work on a Disney project for a couple right. months. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to go do this film. Right. Some guys even like, I'm going to do the film instead of this theme park stuff. I'll see you guys in a year or so. And mm-hmm. it was a back and forth that was you know, super beneficial right. to all areas of the industry. And uh, they don't really have that in Florida. No. And so they want, Disney was like, we're going to pay for you to move into a, a new place. We're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to sell your place right now. And we're going to move you right now. And you're going to go to a job that we don't even have a building for, which already <laughs> sounds super etch a A little sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they wanted you to move out there for a two-year commitment. And then they dropped this nice little uh, note of like, oh, just in case you get laid off, all those moving expenses, you don't have to pay them back at all. I'm like, oh, 
But you're okay. in Florida so I, <laughs> without a job. I'm in without a job. It's impossible to move back to California. Right. Great. Because if you didn't commit to two years, you had to pay back all the moving expenses. If you stayed there for two years, you know, that was on Disney's dime. That's yeah, very, I don't think Very so. generous. <laughs> so generous. And they're doing, you know, all the guys that were still there beyond October and November you know, they're even more depressed than they were the year prior because, you know, even more of the shop is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I finally packed up my cubicle. I I packed up the, the train set that I just finished. I've had a little train, that little HO track that looped around with a drop-down bridge, and I just started collecting Owen 30 equipment earlier in the year. And, you know, just trying to add some whimsy and quirk to this, you know, place called Walt Disney Imagineering, which you would think has enough but it doesn't uh, <laughs> eccentricity to it there's never so, enough again just like the first wave that I had to leave the year before like there was no proper goodbye so mm-hmm. it's like there was no closure to it you know and just like just watching you know your whole career just like oh the book is being closed oh yay you know it sounds like the whole that thing was, was uh, just just really poorly handled from a uh, uh yes a, a um human relations standpoint. Absolutely. Uh, well, I have my you own know, theory that, 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 that possibly the idea was leaked and then they were yes. trying to play catch up and, and that's why yep. it's such a cluster and it's nothing is ready. Yeah. Nothing is done. You know, totally. And, and then they try to make it look like, well, this was the plan all along, but I, I, yeah, it just uh, smells funny to me. You know, and I've had people yeah. on. This goes, yeah. I've had people on social media ahead. say, "Well, what's the big deal? Imagineers are asked to go to, you know, to to Paris and Shanghai and places uh-huh. like that all the time." It's like, yeah, temporarily, not asked to yeah. completely uproot their entire lives. You know, people have have spouses that may not necessarily work for Disney uh-huh. and lives and families and deep roots in the community, and to ask people to do that uh, is, yeah, that's a it's a big ask. Yeah. 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 You especially get a lot of the older former Imagineers that like, oh, well, this happened after every project. There was always mass layoffs. Like, no, this was different. This is, and you like go ask the other old timers that works there when you worked there, old timer. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) even even they will say that like, yeah, this just this is different. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel right. I think it was very very disrespectful to the legacy of Walt Disney Imagineering. You know, oh, yeah. uh, to, to, to want to do that for some tax breaks. Yeah. And there's a ridiculous ratio, too, of like, it didn't seem like a whole lot over a several number of years. I'm like, really? How about we just build cool shit and then you can make all that money back? I don't understand why that's so difficult. Well, that's that was Walt's philosophy. We build cool shit and we make the money back. That's And it seemed to work for him, but uh, yeah, this is not everybody can, right? can work that yeah. plan. Yeah. And the whole, you know, we could get into the whole reservation system and that. And that's all operations and stuff. But there's yeah, been a lot. It's more fumbling of the football, I think. And it's it's exactly. it's it's not a guest positive experience. It's it's it yeah. seems to me that the current man, management, if I may get on my soapbox for a minute, um, yes. is only interested in what's good for the current management. They are they don't treat talent oh, yeah. well. They don't treat creatives well, and they don't treat the guest that well. Uh, yeah, just across the board, like fumbling on the football. Like, yeah. like I've never been prouder to not be an Imagineer. 
now. <laughs> like I couldn't, be- wow. I couldn't believe like that. It was, it was, it's just wild. You look at some of the projects they're putting out, and just like ooh, which like Fantasy Springs in Tokyo is. <laughs> And Jolt was joking about it then, and it became completely true. That was the swan song mm-hmm. of Imagineering. He's like, oh, this is our swan song right here, jokingly. Yes. Little did we know how close yeah. that became to that. And everybody that got cut in the last rounds, you know, we were all different ages. We were all different skill levels. We were all different levels of experience. Mm-hmm. That's what was so wild of, like, this was – they selected a bunch of cells in a spreadsheet and hit delete. Right. That's how we were treated. It wasn't right. even like, you know, you don't really have the skill level to do this particular project. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a whole lot of work. It was like, no, we don't know how to deal with these furlough people. So let's just get rid of them. Right. Let's just like not deal with them. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sorry, maybe you could have gotten an extra person to say yes to Florida had you given us the opportunity, which everybody would have said no anyways. Right. And, and still, even a year later, they will not say what will happen to you if you said no. And that's the most frustrating part of this right. whole plan is they're so vague about it, even today. Mm-hmm. And now it's pushed back. And now it's pushed back to 2026 because, hey, guess what? The, the campus isn't oh, built. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The camp- yeah. Even uh, like pre-pandemic, um, our jobs were always under fire mm-hmm. because we were seen as too expensive. We take up too much space, even though we solved everybody's issues in a way they never even considered solving an issue. Mm-hmm. And we just delivered every single time. And every big project, we had to justify why we were even there yeah. in the first place. Like, because they're like, do we really need to build models? And we've already covered this, you know, <laughs> early in our conversation. Right. right. Like, okay. They don't want us there, obviously. So, and that's another gut punch. It's like, and another reason why, you know, I was semi okay leaving Disney was like, I don't want to be under fire. I don't want to have to justify my job. I don't want to work on projects that, um, you know, have accelerated schedules and crazy demands. And then we're getting disrespected left and right from like everybody from project management to, random people who walk through the shop and say it's too dusty and you know and they're when you're when you're when your project your your pride and joy and your blood sweat and tears is reduced to a checkbox on a on a checklist that the schedulers and the coordinators are doing it's like like there and then also the projects suck now so (laughs) like yeah. Um, you kind of factor all of that in and then you're like, you know, I'm kind of okay, you know, stepping away from this, So uh, yeah, so what do you do what are you doing now so we can the people at home know you're okay. You're you're yes. you're so doing is, well now. So this is this goes back to actually a year ago last year. I'm looking for a potentially another job. Mm. Uh little did I know I'd actually need a job because I would be out of a job um by the end of the year. Right. And so I was looking at model stuff, like who builds models that are full time. And so this LinkedIn um, thing came up and it was for an architecture firm in downtown LA. And I just kind of kept that in the back of my head, like, yeah. okay, we'll see. And then once the phone call came through, your position has been eliminated, threw back a couple of my ties, slapped myself in the face, mm-hmm. you know, don't get it together. That's when I, I did a fresh new portfolio. I pulled up that job application that was still there wow. in the summer. Thank goodness. 
And that was for a full-time model position at this architecture firm uh, called ZGF Architects. And they do a lot of, not just uh, architecture, obviously, but they do a lot of models and they value models and they actually understand what's involved with models and why models are important. And the people making them are valued and treated well. I was like, okay, this is super promising. And so um, only maybe a month and a half later after getting that uh, phone call, I was starting my new job, not at 1401 Flower Street, but in Flower Street in downtown LA. <laughs> super, so super you're like the only person I know who's ever actually gotten a job off of LinkedIn. Right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> LinkedIn was amazing because, yeah, I could build models, but I could just, I could, I do like fabrication work, I do design work. It was a very difficult time to kind of define who I was. And so even in the interview, they're like going through my portfolio, like of these super flashy projects. I mean, come on, you have everything from Galaxy's Edge to Pixar Pier. And then they're like, do you really want to? like build architecture models. I'm like, right. I mean, honestly, any day that I get to make something is a good day. Like, that's what kept me at Disney for so long, even though we were fumbling the football, you know, early on in 2018, 2019. It's like, yeah, I like what I'm doing. You know, I work with a great team. You know, that's why I stayed on furlough for so long instead of giving up. You know, I just wanted to make sure that option was exhausted. And once it did, I was able to jump into a new spot. And, you know, we do a lot of um, projects that are pretty interesting. We do a lot of science research um, mm -hmm. buildings with lots of unique materials. We're all about sustainability, nice. um, doing green, greener buildings, um, figuratively and literally. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of uh, medical buildings. So we do a lot of cancer research stuff, which, yeah. you know, it, it's, a it's a necessary thing. You know, you, you know, you're helping people, which is right, right. <laughs> kind of a, a different mentality from uh, doing theme park work, which right. I remember Bob Weiss saying, like, you know, like we're like we create happiness, but we're not, you know, we're not firefighters. We're right. not. You're not curing not cancer here. Engineers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, I get to actually make some cool stuff. Which, yeah. Well, um, I'm so glad that you get to yeah. continue doing what you love to do and what you're so good at. You know, that's uh, that's yeah. a, that's a real yeah. gift. Yeah. 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 So that was a, a nice. So that was a nice uh, closure uh, uh, to the the Disney chapter. And, yeah. Uh, I get to live out my Mad Men dream of working <laughs> in a giant office building. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we're we're running long on time, but uh, I've got a few Patreon yeah. questions to ask you before yes. we wrap this up, and uh, so we'll we'll start on those. Um, Mike Miller asks, "Are you still working on the Disney Viewliner?" Uh, just from my reaction alone, you can probably tell that I have not been working on it. Uh, I I see it in the corner of my desk every now and then. Um, and when I'm maintaining my mind train models, I have a little track loop that I mm -hmm. test them on. Yeah. On the inside of that loop, I have an N scale loop that was built specifically for, for the, the viewliner. viewliner. Yeah. Well, it's no, still there. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know? No. No. And I and I I do want to get back to that. So uh, okay. hopefully in the near future. Cool. Let's see. Um, yeah. John Davis would like to know, as part of conceptualizing, developing, and building models, what is your favorite part of that process? Of that process? The conceptualizing, Ooh. developing, or the building part? 
I would have to say that's a pretty loaded question. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot in there. Loaded answers, but but I'm going to trim it down. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's a couple phases that I like. I I really like the early on. Sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a whole lot going on. You just like, what is the craziest thing we can do? And you yeah. just kind of start to like, you, you start screwing around. You let your imagination run. Um, later down the road, um, I actually like having budget restraints and real world material restraints um, because that will actually do crazy things to a design. Uh, a lot of happy accidents happen that way. And a lot of uh, smart designs happen that way. And this goes back to uh, less is more. Sometimes you get a much better design out of that. And then, especially projects where the final, like the thing that you're making is the final product. That's super exciting to actually do the final fabrication and then install that. Um, That's a lot of fun, but it's also fun. And we all say it every time a new project opens and we're like, it looks just like the model. Right. It's it's super fun, especially right. like Star Wars and a couple other projects. We're getting uh, photos back from the uh, Fantasy Springs project in Japan. We're like, wow, mm-hmm. it looks, looks just, just like, like the, the model. model. Yeah. And it's and it's weird to see it in real lighting, mm-hmm. um, real material. Like, it, there's a, it's like it's like another fever dream. Like, wow, that's what I did, but it's. I, but it is. But it's real. It's full <laughs> so, size. It's big. But it's real. Well, that kind of uh, dovetails into the next question from uh, Michael Penrose. Would like to know, uh, what did you learn at Disney that has helped you the most with your modeling? I mean, that is... I think less is more is a good answer. <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of, I think just optimization and like thinking smarter about things because I don't like this is something that stems very from my very early stages um, of model making when I was younger like I always had to redo things over and over mm-hmm. my mind trained model was another is an example of that over and over yeah. redo things for a multitude of reasons whether it was um, I could make it look better I could do it with better materials or the design could have been better mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how like a mechanism worked or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it was just getting getting it down to where the less spaces I have to go backwards on, the better. Like like thinking smarter about a design before you actually do anything. So people always ask me like, what would you do differently if you did your mind train model now? Right. And honestly. I wouldn't even cut a single piece of material for probably a year. I would be in the design phase for so long, uh-huh. planning every single thing out, which is what we did building for theme parks. Yeah. yeah. Like we planned out everything to a T, like every single outlet was figured out. Every single light fixture right. was figured out. And so I do that a lot with the projects I do now where I do a lot of digital stuff first, uh-huh. I knock it all up in Rhino and, uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of planning is yeah. what I really learned. So more planning. I picked up a lot more planning. Okay, that's a good answer. Um, yeah. Sam, and this is the last question, and I, I saved the best one for last. Yeah. <clears throat> Sam Nicastro wants okay. to know: Would you recommend trying to become an Imagineer now? 
So, because he's going, currently going to school with the hope of becoming one, but he's been debating about working for another firm in uh, themed entertainment, perhaps. Would you recommend that? <laughs> it's not going to be an answer you're going to like. Uh, I think you could probably get an idea from our conversation. I know what my answer would be, um, but you go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, do you want to move to Florida? Go ahead. Yeah. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, again, what would you be working on? Like, we're not, they're not doing any new Epcot pavilions. We're not doing any big e-ticket attractions. Mm-hmm. There's no Tomorrowland, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess you just want the title. You just want to brag that you're an Imagineer. It looks good on a resume. You know, it does. I will agree with that. Um, but I come from the, the perspective, like, I just like making cool stuff. Like, yeah. I want to be at a place that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, Disney Imagineering currently is in that field right now, unfortunately. You know, and this is a question I get a lot, too, where, uh, like, oh, how do I become an Imagineer? And it's like, I have to interchange the word Imagineer with designer. Mm-hmm. What kind of designer do you want to be? Do you want right. to be a interior designer, uh, an architectural designer? structural engineer designer uh the graphic designer the list goes on and on right it's all about what do you want to do like a lot of people assume imagineering is you just sit around and think of ideas you have ideas like (laughs) everybody wants to be art director they all want to be tony baxter Mm -hmm. like no it's it's more than that it can be pretty stressful like it's, it's a lot of uh trying to figure things out very quickly mm-hmm. you have to solve issues like you have to build stuff before you can figure it out which right. is frustrating a lot of the times but it really boils down to what you really want to do right i was talking to a mutual friend of ours of the same kind of question which is would you recommend you know becoming an engineer now you know some young person in school and, and his answer was great he said well you know if you go to work for a smaller firm you're far more likely to actually have the things that you design and build see the light of day <laughs> so you know take take that for what it's <laughs> totally worth. yeah i mean i think about this from time to time like if they asked me back would i go back and quite honestly the answer is no i yeah. have a better job yeah uh and the other thing too is like what are you working on you're not working on anything cool right now mm-hmm. but maybe you know 10 years down the road they might be realize this sort of thing is stupid you know and <laughs> but maybe you know it's a pendulum swing and i even told this you know in my last uh phone call with my manager was like you know this is just one direction of the pendulum maybe it'll swing back the other way just like disney anime tried that in florida failed then they came back maybe they have to do the same thing with imagineering and then and i'm sure now that all my bridges have been burned from this conversation that <laughs> you know that it won't even it won't even be the same management if i went back it's hard to say yeah well that seems like a, a very good note to end up on um you know the possibilities there the pendulum swings both ways and yeah things could get better and uh you know it's disappointing to hear that there aren't new projects there's not going to be a new tomorrowland announced at d23 if anyone's a betting man <laughs> I would bet heavily right. against that. Yeah, I, as someone from the outside, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, man, who knows? And then, like, honestly, everything we're seeing released now, this mm. was all done years ago. Years ago, like Fantasy Springs yeah. was was something that I worked on years ago, and that's right. the last like 
of the pre-pandemic Imagineering. You get laid off and yeah. you look at all the stuff on your wall. You're like, oh, God, I, I'm getting reminders. But then yeah. you, you learn to kind of you know, deal with it. Like, no, that stuff is still cool. Pirates of the Caribbean and Anaheim is still cool. The trains. Right. The trains are still for cool. All the, for all the weird stuff that we did for Galaxy's Edge and Pixar Pier, yeah. there are still elements that are cool. Right. I still enjoy right. going there despite the, you know, the apps and everything involved. It's still cool. Right. <laughs> right. It's still so. cool. And I have one last question for you, and then we're out the door. Sure. Yep. Are Bob Chapex days numbered? This I is mean, we're speculation and opinion time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think man. they are. I, but that's just me. I mean, again, cause speaking from the outside now, it's even from the inside, we never really got a straight answer on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, they could be, they could not be. I mean, apparently, he has the full support of the board. Or yeah, but that's just, just what they—that's the same thing they say about a head coach before they fire him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I think about the interview that came out about Bob Iger. He's like, Chapek, don't be a numbers guy. Don't be a data guy. You have to listen to your talent. You have to listen to your, not guests, your customers. I hate to say that, but it's true. You have to listen to them. You know, you have to see all sides of it. And then he just went the, the other way. The total other way, yeah. Well, Sam, it's it's yeah. it's it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> spending the evening yeah. with you, talking to you tonight, and uh, I hope to have you on the show again when uh, when uh, you go back to work for Disney. We'll have you back on, <laughs> <laughs> or when you can finally hey. talk about um, the uh, the other thing. What was the thing you couldn't talk about? I can't remember now. Oh, it was uh, it was part of Fantasy Fan- Springs when Fantasy Springs opened. And maybe we can talk model railroading too. Oh, that'll be fun. We'll do we'll do a show about model railroading. Yeah, we had some new adventures in Element Thirty. We just dealt with that's right not that long ago. So that's uh, right. Yeah, totally. All right, my friend. Thank you so All much right. for being on the show. And uh, adios for now. Yeah. Thanks for the journey. And that is our show for this time. Thank you so much for tuning in, and a huge thank you to Sam Toller. You can find Sam over on Instagram under the handle Fabricated Nonsense. That's all one word. And I will be back here soon with episode 204 of the Thunder Mesa Limited podcast. Until then, you can catch me on YouTube doing model railroad builds and how-tos on the Thunder Mesa Studio YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And you can do that via direct RSS feed at thundermesa.studio slash podcasts or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are streaming. If you would like to help get Thunder Mesa Studios podcasts and videos on the air, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. Our patrons get early access and exclusive content for as little as $3 a month. You can find out more at patreon.com slash thundermesa. And now, folks, I've got me a train to catch. Keep moving forward, amigos. Adios for now.